stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. Now, this week I am talking to the incredible Matt Runnels, and we're talking about mental health, but we're not talking about it in like suffering or you know a victim of and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about it in about human connection and about if we start to love each other, see each other, feel each other, and just really get each other and be there for each other, you know, and find some commonalities and some common bonds and just absolutely embrace each other as human beings and not not as people who have got things going wrong, like just love each other for what we are. We're going to have a much better world. And Matt is just an incredible human being. He is the the CEO and founder of Mindful Oz. He is the author of Nobody Can Save Me. And he's speaking all around the world and he's going into schools and doing programs and all kind of all kind of things, just trying to get kids to absolutely share their emotions, put them on the table, and to, to understand that they are okay. They are just bloody fantastic the way they are. He's using his voice and experiences as a platform to encourage acceptance purpose and hope and I absolutely love that so that's all I need to say let's let Matt have the conversation and talk about all the great things he's doing so welcome Matt thanks for having me it's uh, as I said it's good to finally catch up it's great I know we've been meaning to do it for ages and ages and ages and Matt you're just a bloody legend you know it, it's I don't know. I watch. I just watch everything that you're doing, and and we've just uh, just agreed that we're as bad as each other. We have to keep busy to keep out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think I look on my social media feeds, and I think all I see is you. So I might be the male version of what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no. no, we're both out to change the world, and you know, coming from different angles and. Um, you know, we're both at the end of the day, you know, you're coming from a, a mental health awareness perspective and, tr- and I'm coming from a, hey, you're okay already, but let's go, let's make this better. But at the end of the day, we're both coming from a, how can we have a healthier life and a happier life and, a, you know, how can we feel more fulfilled and, and, and live a great life, you know, and I know there's people with barriers, you know, like, like disabilities or mental health and that sort of, or, or just shit has happened to them, but I truly believe we can, you know, just rise above it, even if just a, a tiny bit, you know, just to, just to have more joy in our life. So we're yeah. doing the same, we're doing the same thing. Oh, absolutely. I said, you know, I, I lived enough, many, many years, I lived enough time down the bottom of life, uh, scratching myself and wondering what, what next and how to get the wheels turning. So now that I know how to, and, and now I just want the same for everybody else. So I know it's possible, you know, it's possible. And um, whether it's, 
you're at the bottom of the rung of mental health or you're just climbing yourself back and you've got your functional again. Um, we just want to give everyone the skills and the tools to, to, to level up. And, you know, it sounds cliche in life that there's levels to everything, but there really is. And yeah. once you understand that this is all a big game and you understand that we're in control of it, uh, you can do what you can do and be whatever you want. That's the, that's the point, isn't it? That it, a lot of people don't get that. And I try and get that through people's head all the time is that we have control, you know, like sure there's external forces that are, you know, keep smacking you in the head very often and pushing you over. But at the end of the day, it's our choice whether we stand up or not, you know, and whether we take that step forward. And where I hear a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, my parents, it's their fault, you know, they didn't, but I just think, you got to take responsibility for yourself. You yeah, you just 100%. have to. Well, we are in control and our wellness is in our own control and all of our decisions and our choices. You know, every single morning we wake up, we get two things. We get a chance and we get a choice. And it's what we do with our choices that makes uh, the better of that chance that we have. And, you know, for a long time, as I said, I didn't do much with my choices. I made bad ones and I sat and pondered, you know, poor me, life sucks. This isn't fair. The community's shit. And while I was doing that, life continues to smack you around. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, you get up, you get moving and you start to understand that, you know, I've got the hands on the steering wheel here and I'm going to take my blindfold off and I'm going to drive the car and I'm going to drive yeah. it in a direction that I want to drive it and I'm going to hopefully take as many people with me as possible. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Some people say to extend on what you just said, you know, some people say who's driving your bus, you know, and it, it, I kind of see it like it, with this mental image that, driving the car you know you're in the back seat and there's someone driving but a bus it's kind of like I've put myself right to the very back and I'm letting all these other people you know control my life but um you know you're talking about um getting up and you know you made some bad choices and that kind of stuff right now like you are the CEO and founder of Mindful Australia and Mindful Oz and you are speaker and author and you're you 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 really out there kicking butt, you know, helping people to say, come on, man, you know, like, let, let, let's live a great life. But it wasn't always like that. So, like, there's obviously a big, big, fat, ugly journey, you know, sitting underneath this to to prompt you to get there. So sh- share with us what life was like for Matt before this discovery. Yeah, yeah I, well, I think, you know, it's a, it's a fair journey of mine that I've been through, but I'm very grateful, I think, first and foremost, before we get into the nitty-gritty is to understand that I appreciate every single thing that I've been through whether it's been tough, you, you can't sit back and, and be shitty at all the things that went wrong if you're not also willing to appreciate all the things that went wrong for the good things that have happened because of it. And I only sit in this chair having this conversation with you today because of that stuff. And so I'm very, very grateful. Um, you know, I grew up in Warrigal, uh, you know, a bubbly, smart-ass, cocky, energetic little 12-year-old kid with not a problem in the world and my life come crashing down just through the, the emotional traumas of, I guess, losing friends um and, and as i started to get into the real world i started to under, uh, have some really bad bosses or one really bad boss in the area of gippsland who physically and emotionally abused me um day in day out and so that cocky energetic bubbly smart ass kid had that bashed out of him and so you know i went from being able to achieve anything that i ever set my mind to to not you know not being able to get out of bed and not be able to do the things that i once found so easy so you know, when you go through all of this emotional trauma at such a young age and you don't have an understanding for it, it's very hard to deal with. Um, and so, you know, I did the one thing that everybody says you're doing, that's go and get go and get help and support for what you're experiencing. When I went and got help and support, things got worse for me. You know, I was labelled with different diagnoses. 
I had no understanding for what they were, no people around me that could hold and support that emotion and those different diagnoses that I was given. And I just think that's exactly what I'm trying to change is that um, our inability as people to show up and support one another, you know, instead of handballing each person off into the hands of professional services. Um, professional services do a wonderful job and we need all of them. But I purely think that and, I, and enough science now shows that that should be a last resort for a lot of us um, to be going down those um, pathways of medications and things like that. And, you know, I did that because we were grew up in a world where that was what you were told to do. And, um, you know, I, I could wish I could change the way I went about it as a young kid, but that's what we're trying to do now at Mindful Oz is to help people to understand the strength of who they are when they tap into the strength of themselves and their own unique values. Um, and I guess, you know, even as adults, a lot of us don't understand what that is, don't understand our strengths, we don't understand our values, we don't understand our weaknesses, and therefore we never outsource them. So I guess I went through a lot of emotional trauma at a very young age through my uh, apprenticeship. You know, I promised my parents at a young age that if I dropped out of St Paul's in Warrigal, uh, which was a great education that they'd given me, that I would go out and I'd finish my apprenticeship at the very least. And so that promise that I made to my parents nearly killed me for four years um, just through the amount of suicidal ideation that I experienced, depression, anxiety, sleep insomnia, uh, and everything else in between, whether that was, you know, recreational drugs to numb the feelings in which I felt, um, which, I mean, I always had a handle on, not, 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 not that, that that makes it right, but I was fortunate enough to not fall down some other paths that other people did fall in the same areas as me. Um, alcohol, binge eating, all of these things that we know not to be good for us, but I did them. And I did them because I wanted to numb the pain in my head, not because I wanted to fit in, not because I wanted to belong, just because I didn't understand what I was experiencing. And it was a really tough place to be for many, many years. And, you know, it was uh, unfortunately for me, not for many years down the track until I really uh, went through some really, really, really tough times that I stood back and understood that, you know what, unless I change any of this shit, nothing's going to change and I can sit back and whinge and bitch and moan and carry on about all of the things in my life that are going wrong. Um, or I can acknowledge that the person that's uh, having them happen to them so frequently and sitting at the back of the funeral so frequently has got some experiences that they could share and maybe we could turn something around for somebody else at the very minimum, if not myself. Um, but it was a very tough time. I mean, sleep insomnia, one of the toughest things that I've ever experienced uh, you know, I'd wake in, I'd have two and a half hours of broken sleep over seven days. I'd lose 13 kilos to sleep deprivation in seven days. I played mm -hmm. footy with footy shorts taped to my body so they'd fit. I mean, you know, I faded away to an absolute skeleton because of how unhealthy and unwell I was. And I didn't understand it. I didn't know what to do in those moments. And, and so I guess over the last, you know, 10, 12 years, I've gone on a journey of finding out from all over the world, from the world's best change agents and leaders and thought leaders, on how to manage and live with these things that we all live with so I could share it with the rest of the world. And I feel very blessed to be able to do that. Mm. Oh, wow. You said, you know, there's so much in that that you just said. But one of the things, just going back to the start, you know, saying, and I grew up in Warrigal too, so there you go, that, that we're both Warrigal kids. Um, yeah. It's um, you, You're talking about, you know, being a smart-ass cocky kid in Warrigal. I can just see that, you know, I can just see how oh, that I still am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But, but this, you know, getting a, a boss that, you know, was, 
well, just downright fucking bullying, you know, and it just yeah. shouldn't bloody happen. But, you know, earlier on I had, um, I don't know, several episodes back, I had Alana McGregor on and she had um, a, a boy, a teenage boy who was 17, and she he got a job as a chef, an apprenticeship, and he was bullied so badly that he did take his own life and his sister took her life both within a month of each other, you know, and like, you know, I, I don't want to go down a hobby rabbit burrow next. That's not what it's about, but about these 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 bullies that you know that 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 just got no right, just got no right to um to to essentially take people's lives because even the ones that haven't committed suicide, like like you, you it still ruins your bloody life. Like unless yeah. unless you find the strategies or the coping skills to come back, you know, and and do what you're doing now, you know, yeah. it, it's a life destroyed. And it it it. it Anyway, enough of that, but that gives me the bloody shits. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the journey we're on. I mean, we'll never eradicate eradicate uh, bad no. behaviour and, and bullies and whinging and bitching in the world. We never will. All we can do is, as you said before at the very start, is put that put our hands back on our own steering wheel and dictate what it does to us. And, you know, what I've learned over this journey is nobody and no thing in this world can put a feeling in me. It is up to me to put a feeling inside me. So nobody can make me feel shit. Nobody can make me feel crap. It's up to me how do I respond to those situations. And when you have a, a just a, a, an imperative strong bond with who you are and you live in alignment with yourself every single day, people's comments and behaviours do not impact you. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work to get to that place, but I believe it's possible for everyone. And while we, as I said, we'll never be able to eradicate bullies, let's put the strength back into the people in our community so that bullies don't have a place in this world because they understand that the shit that comes out of their mouth does not fly. Yeah, I love that. There's so many kids that need to hear what you're saying. So many teenagers so need to hear it. So are you working in schools like you're talking? We are. In uh, 2017, I developed a primary school program called Healthy Hearts and Lighter Minds. We work with kids as young as three years old to help them identify, control and express their emotions in positive ways. Yeah. Um, It's a beautiful thing. It's a Mm. a breath of fresh air for me to be able to go and work with kids so young and talk about our emotions rather than talking about uh, with adults about mental health and suicide and bereavement and grief. Yep. So, you know, we work with these kids as young as possible and we start the uh, conversations about what it looks like to see it, feel an emotion and we know that we feel emotions different to other people. And once we can understand what that emotion is and we can start to articulate it, then when we need help and support, we're in a better position to be able to tell people, hey, look, Karen, I'm going through what I know as resentment, what I know as joy, what I know as disgust. You know, and these kids as young as three and four years old have this articulation that they otherwise wouldn't have known. And so, yeah, we work with kids as young as uh, preps and, and in early intervention centre, uh, early education centres, and uh, we work all the way up through schools. And it's, you know, it's great work because, as I said, yeah. it's preventative work that makes new waves of young champions uh, grow up in a world where they're equipped and skilled, unlike what I was to be able to deal with these things. And life's tough. Life is hard. We've seen that over the last two years. We've had bushfires, floods, and a pandemic in Gippsland. Uh, we're some of the most resilient people in the world, Gippslanders, I think. But, you know, we, we, we didn't grow up with this skill set. You know, resilience is built by stress, stress only. So, you know, we've got to go through these things, but we've also got to know how to navigate and dance and create magic with these things that we go through because I purely believe that every single person on this planet um, their pain is their gift if they choose to use it like that. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love that you're talking about um, expressing your emotions because this is something that's been suppressed for a long, long time. And, you know, particularly boys, you know, it's like, don't cry, don't, don't be a girl, stop crying, you know, and that kind of stuff. And if we, if, we, if we are more expressive with emotions, exactly what you're saying, then we can prevent, you know, we can, we can get the conversation on the table before it does the damage, you, you know, and it's, yeah. I, I love that. I mean, you know, I, I told my story for the first time in 2014, I think it was, on a, on a public stage, on a public forum, um, in front of people in a live audience. You know, I told it many times before that. And, you know, I bawled my eyes out doing that and, and it was tough and it was hard. You know, I went out to Garfield Football Club last night. It was tough. It was hard. It doesn't change. It's still the same thing. You just get better at it. And as I said, it's you just your mindset gets better with it because you know how important it is. And, you know, there's one thing I know to be true in all of the work that I do around the world, and there's nobody we can't love once we've heard their story. But the thing is we don't give time to hear people's stories. We make assumptions and we look down that shit tube about what we believe about someone instead of seeing the whole picture. And so the more we can understand and we can express ourselves to people and they can get bits and pieces, they're one better, better equipped to help and support us in that moment because they've got more information yeah. than just an assumption. And we have a better understanding of just how many people go through the same crap that we all do. Um, as I said, our pain's our gift. The pain that I go through has become other people's um, magic in their lives. And, and so it was for me too. You know, Kevin Hines, Paul Dalio, these sorts of people helped change my life from the words that came out of their mouth. And a storytelling is the most beautiful thing. Um, they've been doing it for, it's not revolutionary. It's happened. You know, First Nations people used to have a yarn all the time and that's what keep them well. We've got to go back to doing these things and talking about it because, yeah, it might be scary. Yeah, it might feel daunting. It might make us, you know, sweaty palms, but we just know it to be important is to share. It's, we're not meant to get around this world uh, suppressing who we are or believing it's sexy to hide our emotions and the shit that we go through. We all go through it. Uh, as I frequently say, I live with bipolar disorder. Uh, I've got zero money in the bank. James Packer's got bipolar disorder. He's got billions in the bank. Me and him go to bed with the same problems, I can guarantee it. So once you start to understand that we all go through crap, uh, we're all better positioned to feel more comfort in the conversation or in our chaos, whatever that is. Yeah, I agree with you. And I've been talking about the Indigenous people, you know, that that's what they did. And and I'm big on Hawaii, you know, I've been there many times and I feel like it's my second home and that they've got a thing called talk and story, you, you know, and everyone just sits around talk and story. And I think that that that's what the all Indigenous people around the world, you know, it's, it's us, it's us, uh, you know, oh, supposed superior white folk, you know, <laughs> got so bloody we're so big on academic crap you know that yeah. we've forgotten we've forgotten how to connect and and i'm being generalized i'm generalizing here but well, it's, it's it's very true it's very connection true. is such a big bloody thing you know yeah, we, did, a, did a workshop yesterday well it's not just yesterday but i love doing some of my workshops with with um corporate organizations that actually invite and embrace you know, that talking amongst themselves and sharing of emotions. And, and it's very brave, I think, you know, for 
a lot of these businesses to say, Karen, come in and do your thing and let people share their emotions. Yeah. And could it could turn into a shit show, but yeah. it, it never does because of holding a safe space. Yeah, but, safe space. It's, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, I, I've been a public speaker right around the world for many years now, and it's not sharing my story that I love. What I love is creating a space where other people step in and share parts of themselves. And that's yeah. the cool work that I do. That's that's what I love seeing where you, you create something in a platform for people to feel like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. And when you see one person step in and you see another person step in, all of a sudden you don't want to be left out. And all, by the end of it, you've got two and a half hours of, you know, grown masculine men in a football club covered in face tattoos, stepping forward and going, you know what, this is who I am. And I think it's a very beautiful thing. And if we can just get to that and we can help Australia and Australians start to understand that, forget what you've ever learned, learned or known about mental health, about these chemical imbalances and all this other bullshit that's not true. What's true is the human being is fundamentally wired for love, belonging, and connection. All we want as a human is to love and be loved, to be seen, to be heard, to be got, got being understood. As soon as we can understand that, we all know that we're as qualified as one another to help people when they feel like shit because we can show up and start a conversation and make them feel loved, make them feel seen, make them feel understood. And we don't have to connect with the circumstance in which they felt the emotion we just have to connect ourselves to the emotion. Now, everybody that I've ever met has been through some sort of pain before in their life. So when somebody's down and out, we know we can connect to the way in which we felt when we felt that. And yeah. if we can, we can help people. There's nothing revolutionary about what I do. The only reason that I, we were able to help so many people, either myself or at Mindful Oz, is because we just know that I, I felt shit before. And so if anybody else in the world's felt it, I can resonate with you to, at some level. And I can, mm. I can share with you what's helped me through those moments, but I can also listen. And the better we get at listening, the better that this country is going to be. Uh, we've got so many people in this world dying in silence, believing a narrative about themselves that's not true. And the only way we change that is to do it together. Yeah. Oh, God, I love it. So you're giving me a hit. You're all, like a little tingles all up my arms. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm like, but you make it, you you do make it so simple and it is that simple. You know, we've got this, we, we've complicated life so much, you know, and it's just as simple as, and, and I, I say openly to people, I love you. I even said it to someone in Bunnings the other day, giving me, giving me some paint to my partner said, did you just say I love you? And I said, yeah, I did. It just came out. I didn't mean to do it. It just well, came out. I've been doing it as a bit <laughs> of an experiment lately. Like if it doesn't yeah. matter where I go. So if I go through the Macca's drive-thru and get a coffee or whatever, whatever it is, you know, how many people go past that window and they grab and they go, you know, I stop and I go, I appreciate you. I hope you have a nice day. And when I say that, they don't know how to respond. They are completely stuck for words. They can't take a compliment. Uh, they don't know how to um, continue the conversation after a compliment. And it's just funny to see how much we've, we really struggle with the idea of being grateful and appreciative for things, not only doing it ourselves, but receiving it. Um, we really reject the idea of it. It's just, you know, I look at public speakers around the world and when I go over to America, doesn't matter how bad I speak, there's a standing ovation because not because you're the brilliant speaker. Well, sometimes it might be, but most of the time it's just because we are going to get to our feet because it takes us little effort and applaud to appreciate the work that you just did. But in Australia, the only way you get a standing ovation is if you're brilliant at what you do. Why can't we get to the place where everybody gets a standing ovation for the work they do because we can appreciate the time and effort it took for them to do it and the vulnerability, in my case, that it takes to do that work? We're a long way behind. 
And I we think are. this stuff's very, very simple for us to do and to share our appreciation and gratitude for people. I don't know how many speaking gigs I've done where I've talked about gratitude and appreciation and connection and love and belonging, and I've stood at the door on the way out and people will put their head down and walk out the door and can't even say thank you. You know, we've just spent two hours talking about it and you still can't. So, mm. you know, we've got a long way to go. It's not a criticism, but I think if we can be a little bit reflective about where we're at and where we can get to, we can understand that this isn't a long-term thing. We could change this if we just changed our behaviours, quick sticks, you know, if we all just showed up in the world a little bit better with the 1,440 minutes we've got every day, this world's going to be a much better place for us to live and we're not going to see the suicide numbers we have. We're not going to see the, the amount of people in, in the Gippsland and rural and regional areas that feel lost, lonely, broken, upset, sad, um, shades of the people that they once were or once knew to be. So we can make a difference here and it doesn't take psychologists, psychiatrists, clinicians, therapists. It takes every single person to just show up in the world with their love glasses on. Oh, I, I love love glasses. It's a bit different to your poo glasses. I absolutely love that. And, you know, we're talking, when you think about footy clubs and you think about Australians, we're very big on mateship. You know, it's like, ah, oh, mate, you know, mate, don't worry, I got your back, mate, got your mate, you know. And we are good. We are good at, at when there's a tough time. We pitch in and we help and we, we've got people's backs. But that emotional stuff, that 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 really is lacking in Australia, and I agree with you. I've done talks in America, the same thing, and it's just, you know, completely different to hear. People are like, oh, yeah, well, well, well. You, you, but not always, but, you know, it's like, well, uh, and I agree with you. I just love that you're doing it. What, what was it? What was the catalyst for you that, you know, because you, you're going through this, through the tough stuff, which you love, and I'm glad that you appreciate it because we do have to say thank you, I love you, to all the shit that's happened mm. because we wouldn't be where we are. But what was that thing that um, the catalyst that made you slam that stake in the ground and, and say, that's it, that's it, I'm going this way and I'm going to make a difference in the world? Yeah, I think there's been, they keep popping up, they keep popping up. What, what You know, one early on was sitting at the back of um, my mate's funeral, Sean, and I sat 15 rows deep, four seats across. And, you know, I sat there and I had a, like a, basically an epiphany, like a mirage, like every single person in that auditorium with their faces of these people that I didn't even know. I didn't know any of them. It's about, you know, close to a thousand people sending him off. That's how many people loved him. Mm. And I just looked around on all these faces of all these people in this auditorium. And all I could see was my friends and family. Like the whole auditorium was just who would have been there for me had it been my funeral and then, you know, his mum doing a eulogy back, you know, all I could hear was my mum giving a eulogy about me. The songs picked, I would have been like, all I could hear was the songs playing that my brother would have picked for me. And it was just the most bizarre experience where I sat at the back and went, you know, I'm not ready for this and then this is not the way this is meant to be and this is not the devastation I want to leave on my community. So if not me, then who? You know, I can keep whinging and bitching and moaning about all the systems and governance and government and policies that are broken in the mental health field, or I can get off my ass and do something about it myself. And that's where I get really frustrated with Facebook because you see all these people that pretend they care. Come play with me. Let's show you care. You know, I feel I feel alone in this mental health field a lot of the time doing all this work because there's not as many people as what suggests Facebook suggests that there is that care about it. And, uh, you know, I just sat at the back and made a decision that, I've got to do this and I've got to, I've got some experiences that cannot be taught um, and it's going to be a journey because you've got to get yourself well first, but we're going to go on that journey and see what it looks like because I knew what it was like to give up. I wanted to see what it looked like if I didn't mm. and I just decided I'm not going to give up. I'm going to go through those thoughts. I still go through those thoughts, 
but I just know that my thoughts don't have to become my actions anymore. And so I went on a journey of going right around the world in advocacy, learning from the world's best thought leaders and behavioral health um, researchers and clinicians and taking what I could. And I built my own blueprint to wellness and I share that blueprint to wellness with people every single day, but I'm still growing it. You know, I'm still doing that degree. I'm still losing people. I'm still going through all of the challenges that I always went through. So I think it was a real big catalyst that day to sit up the back of that auditorium. Um, you know, going overseas has uh, been a couple of big catalysts there where, you know, you realise what you need to do and what you don't want to do. You know, I always thought I'd be on international stages speaking around the world and then you get back here and you realise that, well, you're over there sitting in pubs of a night time and sitting in hotels by yourself and you realise that, hey, this isn't really what I thought it would be like and, you know, I could probably go back and help my own community. Um, it's sort of like Peter Pan, steal from the rich to give to the poor sort of thing. I think we've got a lot of work to do in, in these regional and rural areas and that's where I want to play. So, yeah, I mean, there's been lots of catalysts. They keep showing up. I still learn every day. I, I'm still growing every day. I'm a student of this thing called life and um, I love it. As I said, it's, you know, I think two Sundays ago I was feeling a little bit out of alignment. So, you know, I ring my mentor and I'm like, yeah, I need you for six, seven hours today. We're going to go down to Port Melbourne Beach and I need you to smack me around for a bit because uh, I've got work to do. And um, she does, and she does a great job of it. And I'm very lucky to have those people around me, but they, I know what I need now. And so when I need it, I go after it. But I'm very fortunate that I've had so many good people around me in this field of work, but that I didn't stumble on them. You know, you've got to go searching for these people that are going to be your beacons of hope, that are, are going to smack you around when you need it, are going to keep you accountable. Um, and that's a thing, it's the number one question that I always get asked is, you know, what took you to change and how can I how can I change? What's that moment for you that I can have myself? And unfortunately, I don't want people to sit up the back of the funerals until they re to, for them to realise that something's got to change. But I just felt like I was at rock bottom and you can't go anywhere up but up at that stage. Um, I'd bathed in that bathtub of bad limiting beliefs about myself for many, many years. And I just decided that day that I'm going to get out of that bathtub, drive myself off, and start fresh and um and i did and it was tough work it's still tough work but i bloody love it wow you know i love the the thing i love that you said in that was well all of it i loved all of it but you you said i wonder what it, i wonder what it would be like not to be you know you know i wonder what it would be like if i took an alternative path Do you, uh, you know it's what, what if's a very, very beautiful question you know yeah. to ask yourself like i often sit on my bed and go you know, when I'm, you know, feeling overwhelmed or stressed or distressed or whatever that looks like, I sit on my bed and go, you know, what if? Mm. Or, or what's one thing that I'm not doing well that I could do well? Or, mm -hmm. you know, what does it feel like to be me right now? You know, these questions that ask myself to reflect on what is actually happening in my world. And, you know, I just reflected that day in the funeral and said, you know, if not me, then who? So in other words, fuck, I'm going to go out and do something about this because I feel like there wasn't people doing it. I still feel like there's people not doing it. And the other one for me was um, I know what it's like to give up. I wanted to see what happened if I didn't. And um, I've seen what's happened now, what happens when you don't. And that's that's really what I just want to shake people and, and show them what's possible for them because, you know, I was picked up off the street in 2012 by Aurora and Holly Alexander. They saved my life. I was homeless. Um they removed me from danger. And, you know, when Holly and Aurora shared it with me, they said, when I asked them why they saved my life, they said, well, Matt, we've seen something in you that we know that you couldn't see in yourself. 
and we wanted you to be here to realize it and you have and for me it's the most powerful thing anybody's ever said to me and 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 i don't share those stories for any other reason but to help people to understand who can you be holly and aurora alexander for in your world and that's all i want to do is to help people understand what they're capable of the same way i couldn't see what i was capable of now i'm realizing it and the world's Mm. i mean as i said life's tough life's it's not not easy never will be well i don't think it was designed to be yeah but this thing when it's working for you you can conquer the world mm. but when it's working against you it will conquer you and i've i've seen both sides of that yeah 100% oh, wow oh i'm so glad you did it i'm so glad you found that path because um the world needs you there's no no doubt and and when you say you know who am who am i well, it's not, you didn't say these words, but, you know, it's kind of like that saying, somebody should do something about it, you know, and it's that, well, well, well I am somebody, you know, yeah. so I'm going to do something yeah. about it. And we, we have this imposter syndrome, don't we? It's kind of like, well, my story is not that great. No one's going to listen to me. I don't have any qualifications, do you know, all this kind of stuff. But we forget that we've got life experience is our qualification. Do you know, we've yeah. been there, done that. We bloody get it. That's enough because if you're only a step, ahead of somebody else put your hand down pull them up, pull just, them up. Just, that's your step that you've got one up on someone you can make them you know you can help them and and you know that's all I was doing for so long and then I just got really super passionate about what I do I live and breathe mental health I mean you know yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to sit toe to toe with anyone in the world and talk mental health and 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 you know in the most humbly way, humble way say that I know just as much because I live and breathe it I, I've studied it I have 22 different qualifications in the field No one in my whole journey, I reach about 250,000 people a year. I've spoken in front of over 3 million people. Not one person has ever asked what qualifications they have. Not one. Yeah. Because people don't care what you've got until they know you care and they know I care. That's all that matters. They know I care and they know that what I deliver comes from the right place in my heart. So, you know, that's what I want people to understand is we've all got these experiences. People will feel that over everything else like you said so go out there and lead with your heart not your head because when you lead with this thing people will feel that and that's what we need to to live well don't lead with this thing because they'll feel that too and that's where we make mistakes when we get up here Yep, 100%. 100%. And you said there that I only heard this a couple of days ago and I don't I don't even remember where I heard it or read it is that I don't care about your knowledge like I care about the knowledge that you care, you know, or something like that. Yeah. It was was something like that. And I just love that yeah. so much. Well, Hugh, so, Hugh Van Kuhlenberg from the Resilience Project reached out to me one afternoon and he said the same thing to me. Uh, you know, I just said to him, you know, we talk all the time and he just said to me, Matt, one of the reasons why a lot of people follow Mindful Laws and your work the same way I do and love your work is because nobody cares about your qualifications. People only care that you care and you do that better than anything else. So, you know, that that there for me just put to bed all of these misconceptions of, oh, Matt needs a psychology degree, Matt needs to go get his master's, all this shit. No, I don't. I, I go toe-to-toe with anyone who's done their master's because I bloody care and I, I live and breathe this shit every day of the week um, and you can't teach what I've learned. You cannot teach it. No. No, I've seen some I've seen some real dickheads come out of uni, but... Um, <laughs> Like get their bloody bit of paper, but doesn't mean shit. Is if you don't have, no. if you haven't experienced it, it, it doesn't mean anything. Anyway, no. let's not go down that rabbit burrow because I could find trouble. <laughs> tell, us right, about, <laughs> tell us about your book. Um, nobody yeah. can save me. Like that's um, 
you know, when, when did you decide, right, that's the book I have to write and I'm going to do this? And Yeah, well, I'd, I'd put it off for many years. I had some publishers that tried to purchase my story many years ago, I think probably 2018, 2019, after, you know, five or six tours of America, I had some publishers that were pretty keen to get a hold of my book and, um, you know, Fairfax and whatnot had wanted to, to buy my story. And I don't know, for whatever reason at the time, I didn't do it. And I'm I'm sort of glad it fell through because I don't think I would have been ready to tell the story, to be honest. I know a lot more now, of course, and I'll know a lot more tomorrow. But, I mean, when COVID hit, I just sort of reached out to one of the publishers and said, I think I'm ready to do this and what a time to do it. And what was it the best time to do it? Probably not. In COVID, I was probably shit shit version of myself and you can probably hear that throughout the book when I'm when I'm speaking in it but you know I wanted to create the book for a few reasons I want to hurry up and tell people like I really want to get this message out there to, to get rid of these myths and misconceptions about you know medication and therapies and things like this and what we're doing in this world and what the human beings fundamentally wired for you know I'm a big fan of the work that Johan Hari does I'm a big fan of I mean this research and science has been there for many many years about what the human being needs um, to, to function. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is how we can handball people off and how we can give people diagnoses and how we can medicate people. And, you know, every day in my work, I encourage and elevate people's emotion to a place in which they can feel comfort to go get professional help. Mm. That's great. But what I hate about what I do is every time I elevate emotions of people, they go and get help and support the same way that I thought it was right to do so. And then they come back to me and they're like, Matt, great. After hearing you speak, I went to the doctors. Now I've been diagnosed with A, B, C, and D, and now I've taken four different medications. And then they come back to me in another 30 days and they're like, Matt, it's not working. I'm like, no shit. It wasn't meant to. That's not the role of medication. And this is my concern for the world. It's a massive concern for the world because the more we speak about this, the more these things become mainstream, the more people that are going to go in doing what I thought was right too. And our doctors are handing these things out like smarties and it's not fair and it's not right and it's not it's not what science says we should be doing. So I wanted to tell that. I wanted to do it in my way that, um, you know, I don't, I'm not against medication. I'm not against professional services. I love the idea of both of them, but we have to know how they work and what we're doing and we have to support them with holistic practices. Otherwise, everything that we do is ineffective. It's just a Band-Aid. So I wanted to tell that. I also have part three of the book, which is called The Blueprint to Wellness, which is all my skills, tools, and strategies in a nutshell in 30,000 words or so that I wanted to share with people. Um, you know, I have a plethora of people that come through my social medias and things daily that need, you know, time and attention that I can spend with them. I don't have that time, unfortunately, for everybody that comes through there. So to be able to give them a tool for the, say, $30 book that they can, you know, read, as many times as they want and they've got it there and they can follow the same things that I do daily to live well, even though I live with a bipolar disorder. Mm. So I wanted to share that. Um, and obviously the storytelling component of my journey is just the, is, is just purely the vessel in which helps people to relate to what I've gone through and what they're going through. And, you know, I could have wrote, a, I think I could probably write another four or five books, but I think I'll stop at one because it was a bloody exhausting process, to be honest. <laughs> I'm glad I did it and I'm glad people it's it's hitting the right hands and you know it did really well we're, we've got it in you know lots of um lots of the right hands like I said and I'm very grateful uh, that people are valuing my words and my advocacy and you know I just uh, yeah I, it was an exhausting process it's not one that I enjoyed but it was um I think it's definitely going to be worth it for people to have something tangible in their own uh confines that helps and supports them 
the same way I wish I had my book when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Uh, I think you've got another book in you. I think you've got another a few books in you. Book. you. <laughs> You're just gonna have to find the energy to do them. You, you know, you, your mate Hugh, he's uh, he 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 couldn't stop at one, and I'm sure he won't nah. stop at two either. But um, nah. I, I I love what you're saying that um, it it over COVID is probably the shit version of you, and I. I I don't. I think that's a good thing. Did I think that's that it's more raw and honest, and you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't paint this perfect picture. It paints it. You know, just be, I'm going through this. I've come out the other side. I've got all these skills. I've got these coping strategies, and and I've set up mindful eyes, and I'm changing lives. But I still go through shit. You know, and yeah. I, I think that I think that's an honest. Yeah. I think it's a, beautiful document of honesty yeah well you're right it's um you know i really struggled over this journey you know we're six or seven years six years into running mindful Oz. i've been an advocate before that with other organizations and what i've really struggled is when i first started people really blew mindful Oz blew up at the very start because i was real i was you know if i felt shit today i tell you i feel shit you know <laughs> and and as the journey's gone on and the more people that you know, need me and look up to me, the more I've probably gone back into my shell of being not real. I'm always real. There's, I don't know any other way, but I haven't probably shared a lot of the dark parts of the journey over the last four years that I could have probably been sharing at the fear of how can I be the broken one when I've got all of these people relying heavily on me? Like if I don't post on social media for three days, people are telling me. So it's just like, you know, how can I continue this? And so I think the pressures of that really got to me throughout COVID, just being able to, you know, I'm behind Zoom screens delivering keynotes and then, you know, people don't have their uh, their Zoom, their cameras on, you know, there's no audio, there's no connection, there's no hugs, there's no laughter, there's no tears. And it just really ate away at me. And, um, you know, I wanted to quit advocacy. I really wanted to quit. And I spoke about it with my board, with my parents and just said, you know, like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I, I want to be someone else. And, and the truth is a lot of my mentors said to me, Matt, I don't think you've got a choice, mate. You, you know, whether you quit Mindful Oz or walked away right now, I still think for the rest of your life, you're going to be that person to a lot of people. So, um, you know, I just had to get through COVID and come out the other side. It, you know, it was tough. It was really tough for me. I live alone. I work alone. Um, and you deal with everybody's crap through social, social media that I had to put up with. And well, not put up with, I love doing what I do, but, what people do is they drop it on you and then run away and they don't want to deal with it themselves. So, you know, it become very, very tough. I probably snuck back into bad habits of my own, um, aware that I was. And then, um, yeah, as we started to move out of COVID, I've started to, you know, really ramp it up and kick my ass into gear. So, um, yeah, it's just, I guess it's like a boxer when they do a weight cut. That's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm just sort of uh, fine-tuning the skills and, and I'm back out there and I'm healthy, I'm happy, life's good and uh, we're back and I love doing what I do and I wouldn't want to leave Mindful Oz anytime soon. So it's just funny how you go through these things and, you know, you can hear it over, I think I did something like 50 podcasts throughout to, um, 2020. Yeah, um, when wow. COVID went in, everyone went on the podcast and I was a guest on a lot of podcasts and you can sort of listen to them. You can tell what mood I'm in <laughs> depending <laughs> on what day I was on a, on a podcast would be how I went on a rant or how I cracked the shits or so, you know, you got to stay real, got to be authentic to who you are. But um, as I said, I'm super grateful we went through what we went through in the most yeah. weirdest of ways. It's hurt a lot of people, but I think it's allowed us to look in the mirror a little bit more at ourselves and understand, you know what, um, I still do fall, I still do fail, I still make mistakes, I still stuff up. And you know what, 
just like everybody else. There's no superheroes here. And um, yeah, as I said, let's do that weight cut and let's get back to being the best version of Matt that I can be. Um, do the gardening and um, get back at it. And that's what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. And you're not the only one yet. Like in over COVID, a lot of people wanted to quit. I wanted to quit. You know, I, yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm quitting this shit. I don't, it's bloody, not the podcast, but you know, just my other work. I thought, nah, I'm just quitting it. But it's that, it's that, you know what, when you talk about resilience, and I've got this real thing about resilience is I, I believe the under, the underpinning bit of resilience is optimism. Do you, it's like, I'm going to get back up because there's a chance. There's yeah. just that chance that tomorrow's going to be better. I really believe that something better's around the corner. I, and I, for me, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, that's my underpinning thing is I just keep believing something's going to be better. You, and I'll just get back up again because I, I reckon, and, and I'm so bloody glad I did because um, I love this. I love this job I do and I couldn't bloody stand yeah. it if I quit. But same with you. You know, you, you, you love this. So, yeah. Oh, I'd be lost without it. But you're, you're spot on. Optimism or, or hope for some other people, it, it's essentially it is, you know. Resilience is built by grit and overcoming adversity. But in order to overcome adversity or have grit, you've got to understand that something better exists. Yeah. So yeah. you're spot on, that optimism, and to know that something does better exist. And that's what I said about my thoughts. I still go through suicidal thoughts. I still go through all the same things that I was diagnosed with all them years ago. The only difference is when they appear, I'm, I've got optimism. I, I've got hope. I go, I know that you exist and, and I don't dislike you. I know that I live with you and we're going to get along. And when we don't get along, we butt heads for a little bit, but I'm going to learn something from it and I'm going to come out the other side. And that's my relationship with everything in life because, you know, I'm a big believer that if we build a healthy relationship with all of the pain, discomfort, stress um, in our life that we have, we build healthy relationships with all of that then we conquer this thing called life. And I truly believe that. So, you know, I have, I have building healthy relationships with everything in my life that I dislike and the world becomes a lot easier for me to live in. Yep. Yep. Well, we don't usually do we? We push them down and we push them aside and we say, don't you appear, you know, and I don't, I'll, I'll, I don't want to talk to you and I'll have a drink and I'll something or other. But if we do learn to make friends with our darkness, because at the end of the day, we're, we're due, we're, it's, everything is duality. You know, it's positive, negative, black, white, dark, dark light, you know, and if yep. we could just, if we could just embrace our darkness, well, I don't mean, you know, it's hard. To, but but to to acknowledge that it's there and just say well and you you hit on it at the very start it's the it's the darkness and the pain and the shit if we can embrace it and we can love it and even if we can just say thank you for it that that's what builds us Do you, you know without that we would never we would yeah, never build it was like my relationship when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder you know the 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 clinician pushed a script in front of me, basically said, um, well, the way I heard it was, of course, these weren't his words, but um, basically said, unless you pump yourself full of medication, you're going to swing between suicidal lows to manic highs. Oh, by the way, Matt, people with bipolar disorder have a nine and a half years decrease on their lifespan. Or, and, you know, you said that you're going to, um, even with bipolar disorder, you're going to feel emotions 10 times more. So if you have a bad day, you're going to experience 10 times a bad day. But if, the only good thing is if you experience something that you like, you're going to like it 10 times. And so, you know, I walked out of there going, shit, what's the point? What's the point in living with this thing that I've got, you know? And that's when I really hit another snag. And 
went downhill again. But it was people, like I said, sitting on the back of, the, of audiences listening to Paul Dalio, especially Ray Dalio, the, the billionaire, his son, Paul Dalio. I toured with him in America. And to see him grace the stage and talk about bipolar as his gift, you know, I sat back there hating bipolar. And I, at the start, I was like, this guy's an idiot. Like, what an idiot. How can you believe that living with this thing is a gift? And the more I started to listen because I wanted to prove him wrong, the more intently I listened to everything that came out of his mouth, the more I was like, why can't I live like this? You know, what's the difference between Paul Dalio, Kevin Hines and me? Why do they think what they live with is a gift and I don't? And so it was just a matter of me changing the way in which I looked at things is the way in which I live now. And as I said, if someone walked through the door right now with a cure for bipolar disorder, I'd tell them to go get, you know, what? <laughs> I'm not interested. Because bipolar has made me the person that I am now, and I'm starting to fall in love with this person. So, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to can that relationship. I'm, I'm learning to love myself, and um, I think that that's the more, most important thing, rather than holding on for dear life and and wishing something else could come around the corner and, and save you from this thing because it won't. You know, I live with bipolar disorder, and for many many years, everybody's carried this stigma that it's X, Y, and Z, and you know, World Bipolar Day yesterday, and I wrote about it, and you know. Many years, people will tiptoe around the topic and, and eye roll when they and think I'm crazy when I live with bipolar disorder. I speak about it like a blessing. And once, once, once we're going to get down the track in many years' time, and we're going to have 850,000 Australians believing that what they live with is a gift instead of a burden, and this world's going to be a different place for those those little champions that grow up in the world because it's a genetic disease, a genetic disorder that when I have kids, my kids are going to believe it's a gift because Dad knows it's a gift. Rather than dad saying it's a struggle and it's a suffering and it's gonna life's gonna be hard, my little ones won't hear that, they won't feel that, because that's not what it has to be like. So it's how we choose to look at these things in the world is is to how we dance and create magic with them. And you know, everything that I've been through has, has helped me create the magic that I've created. Oh, I love that. I love it. It's funny how we'd call things a disorder and a disease, and yeah. you know, just because it's different, you know, we've yeah, exactly we've got right. such a like I used to do a lot of work in the autism space and it was like autism spectrum disorder, you know, and it's kind of like it's all the wording that the the, 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 the medical field puts on everything or it's just so you, order, you you straight away go to the negative. Do you, you know, you we don't have to change it. it. We have to change have to, it. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't talk about a lot of people have noticed now that mindfulness doesn't talk about mental health. We talk about mind and behavioural health. Because then we can understand that my brain's not screwed. It's actually the way I'm behaving. And so we can change our behaviours. And so, I love that. you know, it's not an excuse. You know, I don't do things because I have bipolar disorder. I'm not bipolar disorder. I make choices the same way everyone else does. And I've got to live by them as well. Um, and so as soon as we can understand that my brain isn't broken, I'm, I'm, I'm not broken. I'm just uh, an, a, an emotional human being that needs my emotional needs met. So mm. I'm not a broken machine that needs fixing. I mm. just need my emotional needs met. But in order to do that, like we said before, we need to express that. And, yeah, I just think if we change the articulations in the mental health field, we're going to change the field. I, I, we should re remove the word mental. We should remove the word suffering because suffering is a choice. We yeah. should remove the word, you know, there's so many words that we could change and we, we've changed what it looked like. I mean, depression's a crap word too, you know. Um, bipolar is a crap word. Uh, they're all crap words. You know, if I could, you know, as I said, bipolar is hardly a gift when you look at it like that word, but I'm telling you right now it's a gift and 34% of Pulitzer Prize winners and 17% of Nobel Peace Prize winners, Heath Ledger, Ernest Hemingway, Winston Churchill, Catherine Zeta-Jones, 
I bet these pet carry Fisher. I bet bet they'll tell you that bipolar disorder was a gift. Yeah. The same way I do. Yeah. And when you put it in that in that way that it's emotional, uh, you know, I'm an emotional being and I just want to share my emotions, that just makes us the same. You know, that, that sort of language just puts us all in the same basket. We're all emotional beings and we all just want to be loved. So there's no there's no distinction about, well, you've got a disorder and you've got you're normal and you're this and you're yeah. that. It just takes away all the labels and all the boxes and just says, we're all humans for Christ's sake. Can we, can't we just bloody love each other? Yeah, Let's- that's right. When we look at people the same way and we don't pigeonhole people because of what they live with, this world, again, will be a better place. You know, mm. it's, the, it's the way Screen Super Camp does it so well because, you know, as a facilitator of 150 kids and, you know, 70 of them might be on the spectrum, I don't know which 70 because I don't care because every kid is the same beautiful young kid in front of me as the next person. Just because you go through something does not make you any more special, does not make you need any more things than other people do. I'm going to treat you all the same because you're all beautiful kids. Whereas if we start to look at someone like he's the naughty one, he's the challenging one, he's the thing, labels belong on jars, not people. Yep. So when we remove those labels, people start to function in the world the way they should function instead of limiting themselves because they believe I've got autism, I can only, I've got bipolar, so I can't. I live with anxiety, so I can't public speak. No, these are stories that we create about ourselves that aren't true. Mm. And the same way we create a story about other people is the same way we create a story about ourselves. And it stops us from achieving the things that we were born to do. Um, You know, bipolar disorder, he told me all those things that were going to happen to me. None of them are true. I don't swing from suicidal lows to manic highs. I'm not medicated. And he said I'd never be able to. I haven't been medicated in six years and I'll never be medicated because I chose to look at things a different way and I'm no more different to any other person. In fact, you know, I'd back myself if there are a 1,000 people in a gymnasium that all went through the same problem, I'd be the first one to remove remove the problem because I've done the work and this is what I want people to do, not because doing the work's hard, because doing the work's worthwhile. It's always worthwhile to live like this now instead of the way I was. I just want people to understand what that feels like because we don't have to suffer. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to. We're all strong enough. God, I love God, I love you, man. <laughs> oh, it's mutual. It's mutual. <laughs> I love you too, and I love all the work you do. <laughs> oh, ditto. You're just a bloody legend. I just... I just love this open talk and I, I God, I, I crave it. You know, I just crave yeah. that we can. I remember, um, you know, oh, God, Garth Brooks and he, he put this song out, you know, Tomorrow Never Comes and then later on Ronan Keating did it. And I remember listening to that song, you know, probably 20 times more before I couldn't cry, you know, while I was listening to it. And, you know, that line, so... So tell that someone that you love just what you're thinking of if tomorrow never comes. Oh. It, it tears me up now just thinking about it. And I started then saying to people, I love you. And, and what I noticed in this and what, what this song really, really brought to my attention was that we only say I love you when we feel like it's going to be reciprocated back, you know, and, and, and if yeah. we think that we if we think that we're going to be rejected when we say it, we 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 don't we hold ourselves back from saying it. And so I made this decision, and this was this was probably 20 years ago. I made this decision that I'm gonna say I love you because that's how I feel. And it's not contingent on what you're gonna to say to me or how you feel about me. That freed me up. I can tell you that that just was the most freeing thing because then you can just 
go around saying it, you know, oh, God, I yeah, love yeah. you. God, I love you. You know, and 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 it's kind of like you're not standing there waiting. Um, yeah. is that a, is that okay? Do you love me? It's kind yeah. of like just fucking say it. And, and <laughs> it's like the, the world's so much better. So I just love that you're doing that. I yeah. love, love well, look, the, the same love. thing. A quote that really resonated for me was, and I'll probably get it wrong, was we never give the flowers to the people while they're still here to smell them. And I think that that's been very true in my life. You know, like I've got 10 mates that I'd love to sit in this room today and, and have these laughs with you and, and have these meaningful discussions, but, you know, I can't. And, you know, all these things that I wish I had said and done and known for them so that they could still be here. We've got to start giving these roses out while people can smell them. We've got to start telling people we love them. We've got to start appreciating people. We've got to start screaming from the rafters how much we appreciate and love people and what they mean to us because one day we're not going to be able to. And, and you know, we're seeing that right now with the people that we're losing um, for all different sorts of reasons. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Anything could happen to me this afternoon, could happen to you this afternoon, touch wood, you know, that we don't want that to happen. But that's the truth. That's the reality of what we live with. And when you start to understand, this is why I sit in an hourglass here, is because if I, that hourglass right here and I cover that up, who knows what I've got left? Yeah. Who knows what I've got left, you know, and that's ticking. So if we start to understand that we're just in an hourglass and at any moment we could be all out and so uh, you just start to live a little bit better, live like we've got cameras on you at all times and I bet we'd start behaving better. So yes. these sorts of things that would change people's, uh, the way which we, uh, you know, go about our life in, in society would change if we didn't, weren't so entitled. Yeah. You've mm. just said two beautiful things there that are just such good things for people to take away from this. That hourglass and just sit that right in front of you and as you as you watch the sand go through, you think, shit, I've just lost that time and I and I didn't do anything valuable with that time. You know, I yeah. could have I could have texted someone, hey man, I love you, mate. <laughs> just, you yeah. could have done anything in that time. And the bit about the cameras. And if people, if that were the only two things that people took away from this, which I don't want them to just do that, I want to take <laughs> away a stay. But you know, like imagine, imagine how many people would suddenly just elevate, you know, just yeah. because of those two things that you yeah. just mentioned there, and 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 live a life that's well, the authenticity, but also the integrity. You know, it's this integrity, yeah, important, it's so important. Yeah, yeah. Live, live, live your life like you're in uh, you're in your own movie and you're playing the main character, and the cameras are following you around, street, shower, bedroom, twenty four seven, and like that. <laughs> I that's not our, that's not cool, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but I bet our I bet our uh, the ways in which we spend our time will be better spent, and I bet the ways in which we speak to people, greet people, meet people, uh, would be improved. And like you said, our integrity in all other areas of our life would change as well. And you know, I I still, you know, I don't sit here, Peter, perfect. I, I make more mistakes than any other person, um, but I do it with the hope of uh, with everyone's a, a, an opportunity for learning and. Yeah, I, I feel like I've wasted enough of my life um, sitting and swimming at the bottom and gasping for air. So I don't want to waste any more time that I've got left um, doing the same thing. So if I can help somebody else to recognise that they too could make a massive difference in the world, well, then, yeah, I'm all about that. Yeah, well, you, you're not Peter Perfect and I'm not Peter Perfect. And, and in fact, that's what makes us 
um, you know, more lovable is the fact that we're not going around preaching that we're bloody Peter perfect because uh, um, those kind of people give us a shit anyway. So. No, I break the law most days. I, said, I think I said to my parents the other day, I think I break the law most days of my life. And they were like, what do you mean? You, you can't go saying that. And I said, well, I either speed or either I'm on my phone or I'm jaywalking or I'm doing something. So, you know, I am far from a saint, but you know what? We we only ever try the best with the time that we've got and trying to make the most of it. And you know, I can't undo all the things that I've done that are that are naughty or that uh, that society frown upon. But you know, my life's out there for everybody to take shots at. But it's a much easier way for me to live now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's authentically and integ- integrity, isn't it? So, Matt, I've loved this. To finish off, um, what do you want to say? to people who are struggling mentally, if we took that word out, but we can't just for that sentence, but what do you want to say to people who are struggling? Yeah, I think to acknowledge that every single thing that you are going through right now, no matter how difficult, challenging, painful, stressful or overwhelming it is, to know that it's happening for you and not to you Mm. and to ask yourself that what would be possible if I was to use the shit that I was experiencing right now for the betterment of either myself or somebody else. And it's really the way I turned my life around was to understand that and to know, as I said, we, we get in such a bad habit of thinking that the world is just picking on me and life's not fair and this is sucks and this doesn't happen to other people. Well, with that attitude, it'll keep happening to you. And that's what happened to me. So you know, step outside your own emotional bubble, step into somebody else's and uh, acknowledge that the world is happening for you, no matter how difficult or challenging it is right now, that that stuff that you are experiencing is your gift, it is your magic, you just need to find ways to dance with it, to navigate around it and to manoeuvre it to make your life better. And I know that um, it's possible for every single person. I'm exhibit A of, uh, of that. So, yeah, knuckle down, grit the teeth. And know that our left foot, right foot, one day at a time or 1,440 minutes at a time, which is 1,440 opportunities today, tomorrow, or whenever you want to start to make a difference in this world. And if we all have that same approach, this world's going to be a very, very beautiful place to live. Mm, I love that. I love that. I heard the other day this great saying, you, you, we're never stuck. You, there's always somewhere to go. Do you know? So just just like you're saying, put left foot in front of right foot and let, let's just let's just go. You yeah. also said something else too, that life's not happening to you, it's happening for you. And then I think there's another step after that. And now let's make it happen from you. you, yeah. you know, and put that out. So I, I man, I bloody love this. I love you. I've absolutely loved this conversation. And you just, you just the, the, the way you articulate it and the way you just put it out there and your way you normalize it is just fucking amazing because we need that. We need it like that. And I love the way that you're coming from emotional rather than coming from let's fix this problem. Yeah just trying to expand emotions and and put the conversation on the table and and help people to just say hey i'm i'm okay well i'm not okay or sometimes but i'm okay as a human being do you know yeah. and, and this is this is my story and i i love it matt where can people find you because they're going to want to follow you yeah on facebook or instagram you'll either find me yeah matt runnels i think you'll find me on both of them uh, mindful oz you'll find us on both of them but alternatively um my website mattrunnels.com.au uh, as I always encourage people, instead of um, following, get involved. Let's do something together. Let's create magic. As I said, um, Karen, I'd love to do some work with you. I'd love to create magic down there in Gippsland together. I know it's possible. So, yeah, um, yeah whoever's listening to this, 
we've all got things that we're sitting on that we can uh, create magic in the world for. So if, you know, if there's an idea or there's a thought or there's something like that, let's do it. Let's play in it. Let's see what comes of it because um, there's a lot of work to be done. Yep, absolutely. Well, I'm in, Matt. So if you think of something or you want to do something, we'll we'll do something together because um, I bloody love what you're doing. I love it. Yeah, and, 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 and I love the love. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, exactly. There's nobody in this world we can't love once they've heard their story. So, again, yep. I, I love following your work, Karen. I love the work you do for Gippsland and the wider community. So thank you for starting these conversations. I know it'll get to the right people, that's for sure. Yeah, thank you, Matt. And I feel the same about your work. So you're just a bloody living legend. And and thank you for staying on this path and that we didn't lose you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, guys, what a fantastic conversation. I absolutely love what Matt's doing. It's such an important thing to take out this stigma and take out all these negative words and take out all this disorder stuff and really start to love people for who they are. I mean, I've been banging on about this for years and it's so refreshing to talk to somebody who also agrees, you know, just love people for God's sake, you know, be there, support people, just hear them, just say, I get you, like Matt said, you know, it's such an important thing. So, you know, follow Matt, do something with Matt or, you know, I don't know, support him in any way you can. But he's just a bloody legend. He's been through the shit, appreciated it, loved it, come out the other side. And he's doing something really positive with it to change people's lives. And this is not token shit that we talk about. This is truly about changing people's lives because we love people and want to see them be at their absolute best. And that's what Matt's doing. He's just a bloody living legend. So please go follow him, mattrunnels.com.au or Mindful Oz is mindful, double L, Oz, A-U-S, dot org, or following on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, and all that kind of stuff. They will be in the show notes, but really hope you've loved this and really hope that you, you love the message that Matt's sharing with the world. So um, connect with him. So that's it for me. Thank you for joining me for another week, and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.